Well, hey, how you guys doing this morning? All right, good, good, good. It's good to be back up here the last couple weeks. Um, I have been working on planning kind of our, what, what's all the stuff that's happening in the fall. We just have so much to do, and, um, and so I've been working on that. But, uh, but I am truly glad to be up here this morning, and I'm excited for what God has for, all, for every single one of us, including our, myself, um, through God's Word uh, this morning. A few weeks ago, we started a series called Sola, and, uh, and we've been working through this series. Basically, throughout the series, our goal is we're going to go through kind of the five core essential beliefs of a true Christian. Okay, that's what, that's what we've been going through. Uh, the word for sola, it literally means alone or only. Okay, so it's kind of a churchy word that, you know, we're thinking, well, what's going, what is that religious word? This, this, it just means alone. And so we're going through like the five alones. And so, and this, these are the five alones of, the, of a true Christian. So let me just say, just because a church calls themselves a Christian or say that, yeah, we believe in Jesus or we believe in God or whatever, that does not make them truly Christian, okay? There's a bunch of churches in our own community that would disagree with a few or if not all of these uh, five alones. And so uh, this is kind of the sentence that we've been going through for the last few weeks. Is according to Scripture alone, or the Bible, according to the Bible alone, through faith alone, we are saved by grace alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. And so we've been taking these things, taking these statements, and we've been diving in, trying to dissect kind of what, what this means for us and uh, what this means for our church. And we started off a few weeks ago, I started off talking about, talking about the Bible alone, okay? This is the foundation of everything that we believe. I mean, if the Bible's not true, then, then none of this is true, okay? It's, 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 it's the first thing, all right? The Bible is the most important thing. I mean, that's where we find our truth. We have this statement here uh, that, uh, that we as a church go by, and it's something that actually we've kind of, that's been kind of handed down uh, through churches for the last hundreds, you know, a few hundred years, and uh, we say it's the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible, okay? And let me just say this. If our church ever stops teaching out of the Bible, don't come back, okay? It's the Bible. I'm serious, that's where we get our truth. And too many times we have churches, even in our community, where churches have veered away from Scripture, or veered away from God's Word. And you look at them now and it's like, that's not even close to what God has planned. Like, that's, that's not Christianity, even though they call themselves Christian. The Bible is what keeps us straight, all right? It keeps us, it's our foundation. And according to the truth that we find in God's Word, our response to that should be in faith alone. Now, we don't get saved. We don't um, have favor with God based off of being a good person. This is like common misconception that everybody seems to have. It's we don't, we don't get to heaven but because we're just, we do good things. All right, well, I, you know, yesterday at work, I, I was really nice to this person that I can't really stand. So look at me, I'm such a good person, you know, you know like that type of thing. That's not, how we, that's not how we get to heaven. We only, all right, our only response to the truth that we find in Scripture is faith in what God has done for us. And God, what he's done for us, he has saved us by his grace. He's literally poured out his grace on us through what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross. That's the truth. And today, I want to kind of start off by having you ask yourself this question. And it's, when you hear the name Jesus, what do you think of? What's that, what's that name mean to you? Right? Maybe for some of us, it's like, well, you know, I think of, you know, 
baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes, whatever that is. You know, at Christmas time, lying in the manger, it's like, well, you know, that's what I think of. Or maybe, I know a lot of you guys used to be Catholic, and so um, you, maybe when you think of Jesus, you think of walking into the sanctuary, and you got the crucifix, the big cross, and Jesus is hanging up there, and it's like, you know, he's kind of peacefully sleeping, you know. Um, Maybe, maybe that's what you think of, or I think a lot of us, maybe we think of like a picture of Jesus that maybe we've seen, like a painting or whatever, uh, and they all kind of look the same, and I've talked about this before. It's like, they're always the same. It's Jesus in a white bathrobe with his Miss America sash on, and he's got his long flowing hair, and he's kind of meek, and he's kind of soft for a guy, and, and sometimes he's even holding a sheep. You know, I don't know. He just, he just is. Like, that's what, that's what he does. But think about it. Like, what do you think? Every single belief and every single religion out there, they all take Jesus and they place him into, you know, whatever works for them. And think about, like, like Muslims. They would view Jesus as a prophet. Now, he wasn't as good of a prophet as, as Muhammad, but he was a pretty good, he's a pretty good guy, pretty good prophet. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. These are the people that come around and they knock on your door. You know what I'm talking about? Wearing suits. They got the little name tag. Look real nice. Um, and, uh, and they just kind of talk about weird stuff. Jehovah's Witnesses, they would, they view Jesus as, uh, as an, an angel, okay? Michael the archangel who came down from heaven and became Jesus, you know? Uh, the Mormons, Mormons would say, well, you know, he wasn't an angel, but it was actually God and Mary came together and they had sexual relations and they produced Jesus. Like Jesus was the result. You got Judaism. Judaism would say that Jesus was a false prophet, that no one should ever listen to anything Jesus has to say. You got Hinduism. Hinduism would say, no, 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 Jesus, he wasn't a false prophet. He was actually the incarnation of the god Vishnu who came down and, and after Jesus died, he actually got reincarnated to something else. And their, you know, in their belief, hopefully a cow because that would be sweet. All right, that's what, that's what they teach. Uh, Buddhism would say, uh, Jesus, he was a wise teacher that everybody should listen to, but he definitely wasn't God. Um, there's religious people. All around us who would say Jesus was a good teacher and that he was a way to God. I think a lot of people, we kind of view um, spirituality as, hey, it's kind of like we're all on this journey up this mountain. And there's all these different paths and all these different ways. And we get to, you know, we're all, but we're all going to end up at the same place, the top. And so that's what a lot of people think. Well, Jesus is just a way. He's a path that, that's, you know, we could take. Uh, atheists and agnostics, they would say, well, you know, Jesus was a historical person, and he was real, and, but he was a pretty good guy, and he had some, some things that were pretty good to say, you know, once in a while. And then there's others of other people who are like Christian, who view themselves as Christians but aren't, and they kind of view Jesus like their errand boy, you know, like the pool boy, where it's like, hey, um, my life isn't very comfortable right now. Could you come and fix this thing? Or, hey, I want one of these. Can you give me one of these? Like, that's how people view Jesus. And so my question to you this morning is simply, who is Jesus to you? Who is he? What's the deal? Because the one thing that I know for sure is that 100 years from now, 100 years from today, from this very moment, every single one of us, we're all going to agree, whether we're in heaven or in hell, we will all agree that the most important question that we could ever ask in our entire life is who was Jesus and what am I going to do with him? Now, that's the most important question. Jesus, he actually, he actually asked his disciples this very question um, once, his followers, and he kind of gathers everybody together. He says, hey, guys, um, got a question for you. He says, who do, you know, the people that were out there teaching and everything, 
Who do they say, you know, who, who do they say that I am? And so his disciples, they're sitting around, they're, they start throwing things out that they've heard people say. And they say, um, some say John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he was beheaded. He had his head cut off a few months before by Herod. He says, others say Elijah. So others say maybe you're Jeremiah or one of the Old Testament prophets. And then Jesus is like, okay, okay. So that's what people think. Um, he says, but you, who do you say that I am? And then Peter, if you don't know Peter... Um, Peter was, how do I put it? He was not a shy guy, okay? He just kind of took charge. He shouted things out all the time. He says, Peter stands up. He says, hey, I know who you are. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus points to him. He's like, he's like, bingo. You got it. See, the disciples, they didn't know everything. Like, like his followers, they didn't understand everything that was going to happen or why things needed to happen or anything like that. They weren't, they weren't perfect by any means. We see that later on. But, uh, but they knew that the one thing that they did know was that Jesus was not like any of the other prophets or teachers or rabbis that they had ever seen or ever heard of. He was completely different. I mean, he was way different. I mean, you see this as you read the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are basically four guys who are there saying, hey, this is what happened. Okay? We see that Jesus, he had unique authority. I mean, he was, he was different. He was a guy who didn't get into a lot of arguments. I mean, he knew what people were thinking. We see several times where he would go and say, hey, why are you thinking that? And they're like, what? I'm not thinking anything. And he's like, you know, he's like no, you know what you're thinking. And they're just like, oh, you know? Remember that time where Jesus, he's in the boat, and, um, and there's this huge storm. He's actually sleeping in the boat. He's got his disciples. They're going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And a uh, huge storm pops up. And remember, his disciples were like professional fishermen. Like they knew how to handle a boat. They had fished this lake for, you know, their whole lives. And so they're out there, and there's this huge storm, and they're freaking out. And they run up to Jesus, and they, you know, shake him awake. They're like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Remember what they say? They say, hey, do you even care that every single one of us on this boat, we are about to die? Like, this is a big deal. We are professionals. We've never seen anything like this. Do you even care? Right? They're like, look at the storm. We got the water's filling up. The boat's filling up. We're, we're getting ready to sink. We're throwing everything overboard. Like, like this, is, this is crazy. Remember what Jesus did? Right? Jesus, by the way, who's fully man and fully God, um, he kind of gets up and he's probably got sleep in his eyes. He's just like, what is going on? You ever, like, wake up mid-nap? It's not pretty usually, you know. But Jesus would have had a good attitude because he didn't sin. So I don't know how that looked, but he gets up and he's like, you know, it's probably his eyes have to adjust and it's shaky. And he just goes up and he says, Stop it! And it stops. It wasn't like the storm got like one last bolt of lightning in or one last crack of thunder, like one last jab on Jesus. Like, well, I'm not done yet. There, okay, now I'm done. It's not what happened. It stopped. And remember what the disciples did? They're like, they're just standing there. They're just like, you see what is going And remember what they say? They say, who is this man? Who is this guy that the weather obeys him? He was just sleeping. You know, it was just like, who is he? I mean, Jesus, he was, he, he, there's not somebody that got into a lot of arguments. Um, remember the time where he goes up to, to Lazarus' tomb and he just tells Lazarus he's not allowed to be dead anymore? All right? He just walks up. This guy's been dead for days. Everybody's crying around. There's people all around. It's like in the middle of his, you know, they've already had his funeral. And he just goes, he says, hey, Lazarus, come on out. Uh, you're not, you're not going to be dead. Come on, come on. And Lazarus walks out. 
Remember when he would go to like blind people who have been blind their entire lives and he's like, hey, why don't you look around? And all of a sudden they could see. Remember he would go to people who had not been able to walk their entire lives. He's like, hey, why don't you jump up and, uh, and, and go run around? All right, and they, and they would do it. I mean, this was a guy. It's not like they argued with him. He, every, you know, he had control and, uh, and, 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 you know, people obeyed him. Think about this. Even the demons were afraid of Jesus. They wouldn't argue with Jesus. Every time Jesus ran into a, a demon-possessed person, I mean, they were terrified. They were freaking out. Remember, they would say things like, whoa, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What are you doing here? We know who you are. Have you come to destroy us before the appointed time? Basically what they're saying is they totally understand that Jesus is the one who is going to judge them sometime in the future. And, uh, and they're just like, whoa, Jesus, you're early. We have more time here. What's, what, are you, what are you doing? What are you, please, don't, please don't send us to hell is basically what they say. Please don't judge us right now. Like, like can you give us more time? Even the top religious leaders who Jesus was constantly butting heads with, who knew God's word, the Bible, front to back. They had huge sections of it memorized. They constantly tried to test him and, and uh, trap him and trick him. And Jesus, when they would do that, they would do this by answering questions. We've gone through a bunch of these. And, and, and Jesus, we would, uh, you know, he would kind of turn it around on them. And, uh, and he always made them look like idiots. You know, like you can't, outwit God, you know, it's just not going to end well for them. And even though they hated Jesus, the Bible tells us they were amazed. They'd never heard anybody like this. They'd never seen anybody like Jesus. See, Jesus was the most unique human being in all of history, and he's also the most well-known human being in all of history. I mean, think about it. Almost every culture and every people group on the planet has all heard the name Jesus. And so the question is, who is he? What is he? Why did he come? And what am I, I going to do with him? Paul, he actually describes Jesus, or let's say tries to describe Jesus in Colossians chapter 1. He explains Jesus this way. He says, he, meaning Jesus, has rescued us from the domain of darkness. See, when Jesus came, this is what we got to understand. When Jesus came down to earth 2,000 years ago as that little baby, he came, it was like as a rescue mission, right? Because we live, as Paul would say, in a domain of darkness, okay? That's the world. It's messed up. It is a jacked up world. Um, when I, when my family, me and my, Kate and, you know, the kids, we go on a trip, um, sometimes it seems like, you know, this is happening more and more, probably because we have more and more kids now, but that are out of diapers. Diapers are nice because then they could, never mind. Anyway, but they, but it's like they always have to go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? That's why I'm saying diapers are nice because then they just go and you don't even know about it. And it's like, well, sometimes you know about it, I guess. But, um, but it's, you know, it happens more and more where you're like, we just stopped like 30 minutes ago. Why didn't, you know, whatever. Okay. So as we're driving, you know, you stop at like a rest area, you know what I'm talking about, or a truck stop. And you walk in the bathroom, and you know how those places are? It's like everything's just like wet. You know, I don't know how to describe it. It's just gross. It smells. You're looking at it, you're looking around, and you're like, this place has not been cleaned in a long time. And, uh, and so what I've learned is that when I take my boys to the bathroom, um, they, like, touch everything. 
it drives me crazy. Actually, it eats away at my soul because I'm like, you can't crawl there, like not there. You know, it's just like, it's just so nasty. And so what I've learned to do is uh, I send them with Kate <laughs> into the women's restroom <laughs> for two reasons, really. Number one, um, I have faith in women that their bathroom is cleaner than the men's. I don't know if that's true, but I have faith and I have hope in that. But the second reason is sometimes it's just better not to know, you know. I don't have to watch it. I don't have to know about it. And I don't have to think, you know, I don't, don't have to think about it. And so sometimes, um, well, all the time really, I'll be honest with you, I send them with Kate. Although as I, in between services I was thinking, I was like, that can't last forever, you know. Like Toby's, he's going to be in school this year. I don't know if I can, I don't know. I don't, I'll, we'll see what happens. But um, but I think that's kind of how the angels and maybe God views earth. You ever think about this? I, I didn't think about this maybe till, till this week. The earth is sinful, right? We're full of darkness. It's the domain of darkness, which is, which is what Paul's explained to us. It is nasty. It's like a cesspool down here. Okay, we don't view earth. We view it as like, oh, the sunshine's out. Oh, this is, this is nice. But it's, it's a sinful, nasty place. I mean, think about it. Our planet is literally made up of dirt. Okay, that's, that's what it is. It's a chunk of dirt. Um, it doesn't take long for you to, to look around. Watch the news for 15 minutes. Read, read the newspaper. Uh, sin is like everywhere. And it affects every single person on this planet. It affects you. It affects me. I mean, our world is messed up. It is jacked up. It is a terrible, horrible place. Like, that's the honest truth, right? We could try to make it as good as we possibly can, but it doesn't change the overall situation that we're all in. You know, sometimes I think maybe on, let's say, December 24th, um, year zero, okay, I don't know whenever it was, okay, I'm thinking God, he's up in heaven, Jesus, he's up there, and he's, he looks, he kind of makes an announcement to everybody, like saying, hey, it's almost Christmas, I'm going in, you know, you ever think about this? And the angels are like, you're going down there, you're going down there, you know, and God's like, actually, yeah. Jesus is like, actually, yeah, I'm going I'm going to become one of them, you know. And angels are just like kind of how like I am with my, with my boys. Like, well, don't touch anything, you know. Like, don't get it on you. This place is nasty, right. It's a cesspool of terrible stuff. See, Jesus, he came here to rescue us. That's what we got to understand. He came to rescue us. It was a rescue mission from the domain of darkness to transfer us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. He's saying he came to transfer us from this terrible, nasty truck stop of a planet to his family, to his house. That was his mission. He says, in him, Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, we look at this word redemption, and I think a lot of times um, as we're reading the Bible, we're like, what, what does that mean? What's, what? You know, it's just question marks all over the place. But, uh, but we know what it means to redeem something. It's like a coupon. We got any, like, coupon people in here? Who, you, okay, <laughs> who you have, like, you know, the paper coupons, or do you, most of you guys do, like, the coupon on the app. Or most, maybe you guys don't do coupons at all, and you just have made of money, and that's cool for you. I don't know. Anyway, so I only use a coupon at one place, 
and that's Burger King. Okay, you knew this was going to come up. I was going to weasel it in somehow. Um, every Friday, as most of you guys know, because I've talked about it too much, is that uh, is I go to Burger King, and I get the same thing every week. And uh, what I do is I got a coupon for it. It's the only place that I use a coupon for it, so that's why it fits. Okay. So I go up to the, to the drive-thru, and I say, hey, um, they say, welcome to Burger King. What can I make for you today? Every time. I think it's a recording, because... It's always a guy, it's like a girl, never mind, and then a guy is talking to me later. Okay, anyway, so I'm there, and, um, and I order the same thing. I say, I want two Whopper Juniors, and I want two fries. Let's go. And they, they get the, you know, it comes out on the screen, it's like almost eight bucks, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, and I got a coupon for $3.99, okay, so <laughs> that's what I want. And they say, okay, pull forward. So I go forward, and um, at every place, by the way, every other Burger King around, because I've been to a lot of them. Not Tiffin, okay? The Tiffin Burger King is the only one that takes my coupon. I don't like that. They do it. I want to use it for the next one that I go to because I know I'll be back soon because I like it. And so, um, but they take it every single time. Actually, there's a, this has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I'm just going to say it. Um, a few weeks ago, I was there, and I, and I did that. I paid. They didn't ask for my coupon, so I'm like, off the hook, like I'm getting through. And I pulled up like six feet, to where, and I rolled up my window, and so it like, it's done, right? Like, I got away scot-free. Well, like two minutes later, she's banging on the car, on my car, like, trunk, saying, and I rolled out my window. I'm like, what? She's like, you, I forgot to take your coupon. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like this? I got to rip it off the thing. Anyway, I didn't appreciate that, but whatever. Um, got to get that lady saved. <laughs> Just saying, get her here. Because <laughs> that's messed up. <laughs> so anyway. What I do is, I go to Burger King, I go to the window, and I hand them the coupon. Okay, I redeem the coupon. Now, when we use a coupon, you might use a coupon at Walmart, Kroger, wherever it is. When you use a coupon, right, what do, what do you do? You hand it to them, right, you redeem that coupon, but it still costs the same amount. Whatever product or whatever food or whatever it is, it still, it still costs. Like it costs somebody. It just doesn't cost me. And so I'm good with that. Like when I do that, the restaurant absorbs my cost. See, every single one of us, we, we're all in the same position. Every single one of us have sinned, meaning we have rebelled against our creator. If we're honest with ourselves, we, are, we have sinned like millions or billions of times, okay? More than we could ever possibly count. Uh, his, his, you know, it's just huge, all right? It's just a big thing. And because of that, we have a debt against God. And that cost, that debt that we owe God is bigger than each than any of us could ever pay. Okay, we are messed up. That is a huge problem for us. You know, I talk to people all the time about, about this. And, and a, lot of, a lot of people ask the same question. They say, hey, you know, I, I get what you're saying. But God, if God is forgiving, which he is, why can't he just forgive it? And you don't got to worry about it. And then it's just done. And this is, this, is, this is the issue that we see in the Bible. God is perfectly just. He's perfectly just. Meaning he can't just sweep sin under the rug. You can't do that. That would be unjust. It would be like if we had a judge here at Seneca County that every time anybody committed some crime, they would go before the judge and the judge says, you know what? I forgive you. You're all right. You could go. You murdered somebody. Who cares, right? You could just, I'll give you another chance. Don't do that again. But if you do it again, I'm just going to forgive you that, right? The, like, there, he wouldn't have a job for very long. No one would say that's just. We would call out for justice. 
It's the same thing with God, only the problem is we're the criminal. So God has to punish sin. It's the right thing for him to do, and it's the just thing for him to do, and he is perfectly just, and so sin has to be paid for. And so somebody has to absorb the cost of our sin, and guess what? Jesus did it. He did it. Paul, he, he describes it. He says, uh, Jesus is in the image of the invisible God. He says, the firstborn over all creation. Now, we see this word firstborn, and I think a lot of us were like, firstborn, what's that mean? Does that mean like, like I think sometimes we think, you know, Jesus, he's the, what's that, does that mean he's the first person that God created or, or what? And that's actually not, not what Paul's talking about here. This word in the Greek, in the original language, is the word that we get our word prototype from, okay? And so what Paul is trying to explain to us is he's saying, hey, Right, um, it, it, what he is is he's like the template in which creation was made from. It's more of a position rather than an, an order. He's saying, hey, he's the center of everything. Basically, the firstborn in that in that time period, the firstborn would inherit everything from his parents, which I think we should go back to because I'm the firstborn in my family. And uh, and so and so what what Paul's trying to say is he's saying, hey, he owns everything. He owns it all. Everything is his. He is the center of everything, and that is his position, right? That's what Paul is talking about here. I mean, check this out in the next verse. He says, for everything, every single thing was created by Jesus in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, meaning things that you can see all around you, all the things that you have, all the things you've seen on TV and on the internet, all that stuff, and also the invisible, all the things that you don't even know exist. God has created, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, this is all things. It's not complicated. All things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. It's like he tailor-made everything the way that he wanted. It's getting close to lunchtime, so I'm kind of hungry, so just roll with me here. Um, it's like you, it's like a restaurant, right? You go to a restaurant, you open the menu, and sometimes restaurants have like the build-your-own-burger thing. You can tell what I eat a lot, all right? <laughs> I love that. And um, you got the build-your-own-burger, own and, and you got all like, you know, it just lists out all the stuff that you can put on it. And so for me, I'm like sitting there, I'm like, yeah, I want the double patty. That sounds pretty good. And I'll take that bacon, and I'll do the lettuce and the tomato, and yeah, sure, add some pickles on there and some grilled onions. That sounds pretty good. And I'll take that cheese and that cheese and that cheese and that cheese. It's going to be the ultimate awesome burger that is made just for me, barbecue sauce, ketchup, you know, mayonnaise. Hold the mustard, though. I got it. I got an issue with mustard, but uh, I want all of it besides the mustard, okay? I want it just the way that I want it. It's like, it's like tailor-made, custom-built for me. That's how Jesus originally created everything. Everything. Now, has sin messed that up? Yeah. But he'll take care of that. Someday that's not going to be a problem anymore. See, Paul is saying this. Think about it this way. He's saying you were created for Jesus and by Jesus. And think about that. Like me, Zach Pinkerton, I was created by Jesus, okay? But I was also created 
for Jesus. By the way, let me just say this. You want to know your primary purpose in life? I think this is something that deep within our souls, like every single one of us, we're, we're trying to figure it out. You know, what's our purpose? Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, I think there's this, there's this longing within us. It's like, hey, I want, to, I want to know my purpose. Why am I here? You want to know what your primary purpose in life is? It's to know Jesus, figure out what he wants you to do, and do it. That's your purpose. Right? Paul, this is what he's trying to explain to us. In the next verse, he says, hey, Jesus is before all things, meaning a billion years ago, he knew you. He knew exactly how you were going to be. He knew exactly what you were going to do this afternoon. Right? He knew exactly how you, were gonna, how, how you are, and he couldn't wait for you to be born. He says, he is before all things, and by him all things hold together. Okay? I think, you know, a lot of, it, a lot of us, we're, we think we're just, you know, sitting there. But Paul's saying, no, you don't understand. Jesus is holding you together. Did you know that the atom, I, um, I took physics in college and wasn't very good at it. But uh, the one thing that I learned is like the atom, okay, which is um, protons and neutrons and electrons. The nucleus of the atom is protons and, and neutrons. Did you know that, that naturally those shouldn't be like forced together? Like naturally they should detract, not attract. Uh, but there's this force that holds everything together. And scientists don't really know what that is. Uh, they have a name for it. It's literally called the strong force. Did you know this? Anybody knew this? Nobody knows this. Okay, this is like, there's one, there's four, let me just give you a little physics lesson real quick. There's four forces. You got gravity, you got electromagnetism, you got the strong force and the weak force, okay? Four, four forces in nature. Anyway, that was free. Um, look it up on Google. I don't care. It's true. Uh, but, uh, but there's like, like that's their name. They could have come up with a better name, but that's, that's what they got. But, um, but, you know, that's what is holding everything together. We don't know why. We don't know what it is. We could just observe it, and we know that it exists, this strong force. I mean, think about it. Right now, you are just sitting there. That's what, that's what we think. But right now, the earth is rotating at 1,000 miles per hour. Did you know that? While we're rotating 1,000 miles per hour, we are rotating or traveling around the sun at 67,000 miles per hour. And while we're traveling around the sun 67,000 miles per hour, we have to stay between 93 million and 94 million miles away from the sun because if we get too close, we'll just burn up. We're fragile. We get too far, all right, we'll just freeze to death. And while we're rotating and traveling around the sun at those speeds, our sun is traveling through our galaxy at 448,000 miles per hour. And while the sun is traveling through the galaxy at that speed, our galaxy is traveling through space at 1.3 million miles per hour. But you think you're just sitting there. We're moving all over the place. All right? It's crazy. And while you're sitting there, Jesus is pumping blood through 100,000 miles of blood vessels through your body. Is him. He is holding all things together. Life does not exist without him. Paul, he says in the next verse, he says, He, Jesus, is also the head of the body and the church. He is our leader. He's the one who's in charge. That's why we look to God's word. He says, Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that Jesus might come to have the first place in everything. He says, For God was pleased to have all Jesus' fullness dwell in Jesus. And through Jesus to reconcile everything to Jesus, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through Jesus' blood shed on a cross. Now, this is the craziest part right here, is he's making peace through his blood shed on a cross. I mean, think about this. 
I mean, this is God of the universe who is, you know, got everything moving. Everything is going crazy. And God has it all under control. God of the universe bleeding for man. I mean, it's crazy. It's a story unlike any other. He's not just some historical figure that existed once or some prophet, some moral man or wise teacher, just a good guy. He's different. And he is the only one who could save us. I mean, Jesus said it himself. John chapter 14. Jesus, he's talking to his disciples. He says, hey, I am the way, the truth, and the life. By the way, notice, he does not say, hey, I'm a way. Hey, you know, there's a lot of ways. We're all going up that mountain, right? You know, there's a lot of different paths. Uh, you can take my path if you want. You can take somebody else's path. It doesn't really matter to me. It's not what he says. He says, I am the way. Not a way, not a truth, not a life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying. He's saying it's Jesus, only Jesus. Like it's all we got. There's only one real option for us to get right with God, to go to heaven, right, to, to be truly saved. Only option is Jesus and what he did for us. I mean, think about it. If there was another way, right, like if there were other ways, then our eternal king stepped off his throne for a rescue mission that, uh, that wasn't needed. Doesn't make any sense. If there was another way, then God wasted his death. I mean, you remember the, the night that uh, Jesus spent, the night that he got arrested? He goes to the garden. He's with some of his disciples. They keep falling asleep because they're tired. And, and, uh, and Jesus, remember what he's praying, what he's thinking? He's just like, man, if there's any other way, let's go with option B. Let's not do it this way. Let's go with, you know, if there's any other way, let's go with option B, C, D, E, F. You know, he, he's, he's like, man, is this it? Is this the only way? I'm willing to do it, but if there's any other way, let's do it the other way. Here's the truth. Jesus stepped off his throne. He came down to the dirt he experienced what we experienced. He was born to a lower middle class family. He experienced pain. He experienced sickness. He experienced temptation just like each and every one of us experienced. Uh, he probably experienced the death of his dad. We know that he experienced the death of his good friends. He experienced rejection. There's one time, just a few days before he died, Jesus, he's up on the Mount of Olives. And basically Jerusalem is built up on this hill. And the next hill over is what they called the Mount of Olives. And they, Jesus, he was up there with his disciples overlooking Jerusalem. And uh, maybe you remember this, but he's just like, he's looking at them and he's just like, oh, he starts crying. He's like, Jerusalem, 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 how long have I longed to kind of gather you together as my children to me? He's like, to have that relationship with me, I've longed that for so long, I've wanted that for so long. But he says, but you won't let me. He experienced rejection. He experienced betrayal from his best friends. He experienced death. A gruesome, 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 horrible death. And as he died, the Bible explains to us that God poured out his wrath, that by the way, each and every one of us earned, right? That was for us. Poured out his punishment, that was for us. He poured out on himself. I mean, Jesus died for you in spite of you, giving each and every one of us the opportunity and a chance to actually know him because he was the only 
way. There's actually this pastor that, uh, that died maybe 20 years ago or so, but uh, 45 years ago, he, um, he kind of preached this, this famous sermon. Uh, his name was S.M. Lockridge. Actually, his name was Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. By the way, if your name is Shadrach Meshach, okay, number one, your parents are awesome. Number two, you were born to be a, te- a preacher, okay? It's just how it is. Um, so that's his name, Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. And uh, he was well-known. He's, he's a famous teacher. But um, this is him one time. I think this was up in Detroit 45 years ago trying to describe, all right, Jesus to us. And so that's my question for you this morning. When you hear the word Jesus, you hear the name Jesus, who is he? Somebody we can't even describe. All right, who is he to you? Is he some good guy that existed a couple thousand years ago? He was a moral teacher. He was maybe a prophet even, someone sent by God. Or was he your king? Or is he the one, is he the, the Lord of life? Is he the one holding you together? That's the most important question you'll ever ask in your entire life. And if you want to know that Jesus, the Bible says it's not very difficult. It's not super complicated. The Bible says all you have to do is tell him. You just have to express that to him. Knowing that he is the only way for us to be saved. We can't be good enough. We're not good enough. Okay, we can't do enough good. We can't impress God anyway. That way, the only thing we can do is give our lives to Jesus and have that faith that we talked about a couple weeks ago in God's grace that we talked about last week, that what he did on that cross 2,000 years ago was enough for you. And it was the only way. There's nothing anybody else could have done except for him because he was perfect. So let me say this. If you can't think of a time in your life where you have given your life over to him, then then I'm telling you, you haven't done it. Okay, it's the most important decision you could ever make in your entire life. I mean, that's something that you would remember. I talk to people all the time where they, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've always been a Christian. I'm like, no, you haven't. <laughs> the Bible says you haven't always been a Christian. It's a decision that each and every one of us have to make in our entire life. And I think too many of us, we keep pushing it off down the road. Hey, when I'm older, I'll deal with that some other time. I'm not sure yet. I'm not ready yet. And I'm just telling you, God doesn't owe you a single more minute of life. And you only have this life to make that decision. And so I encourage every single person here, if you don't know 100%, if you don't know that you know that you know that you know that you have that relationship with God, then during this next song, instead of singing the song, you need to have a conversation with God in your mind. He knows your every thought. And you need to ask him to come into your life, to be a part of your life knowing that he's the only way, the only way. Let's pray. God, we, um, God, thank you for coming down to the dirt to die for us. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to, but you did it anyway because you love us. For some reason, you love us so much. God, we thank you 
so much for that. And Lord, we ask that if there's, if there's anybody in this room who have not made that decision to follow you, that they would do that today, that they wouldn't wait another five minutes, that they would do that right now, that they would ask you to be a part of their life and start that relationship with their creator, the relationship that they were born to have now. God, we thank you for saving us. We thank you for going through all the things that we experienced, the pain that you went through and everything, God. You did that for us. And we thank you for that so much. In Jesus' name, amen.